You're listening to an episode of the C19 Podcast, a production by scholars from around the world that explores the past, present, and future through the United States in the long 19th century. We are an official production of C19, the Society of 19th Century Americanists. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Disclaimer. The opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect the opinions of the respective individuals' employers, nor the official opinions of C-19. All right, I'm going to start. Ready? Yes. Hi, I'm Stacy Margolis. Hi, I'm Betsy Duquette. And we are here to introduce our fall 2018 issue of J-19. Which is perhaps arriving in your mailbox today. We're very excited to see it. We really are. <laughs> they are labors of love. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stacy, you put so much hard work into finding our cover images. Can you s- tell our listeners a little something about that? Our listeners and readers. Our listener. <laughs> I logged. <laughs> I logged a lot of hours on the sofa with my laptop. Looking at images, which I find weirdly amusing. And I found this great image of the Leonid meteor storm. Oh, yeah. uh, From November. Actually, it's funny. I didn't realize until just the second that it's from around this moment, (laughs) November 12th to 13th in 1833. And they really did think the sky was falling then, too. It looks like it in the image. It's beautiful, but also terrifying, I can imagine. Beautiful and terrifying. That is what our issue is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So tell us about the letters. We have letters. Um, Yes, we have letters. Letters are a new feature of J19 because we want to underscore with the journal the sense of community and the ongoing conversation. So we have letters, one from Sarah Chin, and one from Holly Jackson, and they are both continuing conversations with essays from previous issues. So that's really exciting, helping to make the journal, they're helping to make the journal a real site of community and conversation for members of the association and people who are interested in 19th century literature and culture. Hey, it's a good way to just get your name out in the journal if you want. That's just true. write us a letter about a previous uh, essay. And uh, we'll publish it. Um, can you say a little bit more about what we're looking for in letters, Stacey? Just some engagement with what happened in earlier issues. It doesn't have to be a, an argument, although it could be an argument with something someone has claimed. It could also just be we've had letters in the past that wanted to reiterate a point or add to it or commend someone for paying attention to something. And all of that's Great. And they're really very short, just about a thousand words, I think, is what we're looking for. And you just send them directly to us, directly to the editors, and we'll work with you. The idea is that we like to get them out quickly. So please don't hesitate. Send us your thoughts and letters. Sit down with the Leonid meteor shower covered issue and write us a letter. Exactly. And it can be from previous issues as well, although... We're just hoping to have ongoing conversations, as I said before. We also have a new pleasure reading piece. I know, it's so exciting. 
We also love to get, so if you have any ideas knocking around about really anything you love to read or watch or listen to, um, it can have the most tenuous connection to the 19th century, <laughs> as some of our pleasure reading pieces have had. But um, but they are so fascinating to read, to see what people like to do when they're not doing their scholarship. It's true. When I have been at conferences, people will often tell me that the pleasure reading pieces are their favorite part of the journal. So it's a chance to explore a different kind of writing and to celebrate the things that bring us pleasure, even if they are sometimes a little complicated and perverse, our pleasures. Right. I think that um, people can be intimidated by that different style of writing, that having to write in a more personal voice. But these two do not go out to external reviewers. So we will work with you on creating something that you will be happy with. So tell us a little bit about, or, well, I guess I already know. Tell our listeners <laughs> a little bit about this pleasure reading piece, why don't you? I will. It is from, um, it is by Gail Temple, who teaches at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. And it's about teaching in maximum security men's prison. I think it's a pretty, it has a pretty broad take on pleasure, but that's what's so interesting to me about it. It's very, um, you know, it, it's, it has its moments of, I don't know, anxiety and vexation mm -hmm. as well as its moments of pleasure. So it's actually very, it's a very interesting thing to read. Yes, we, we really enjoyed it and we are grateful to Gail for sending it to us. We also have six essays in this issue and they cover a really exciting range of topics from actual birds to indigenous newspapers, to juvenile delinquents, to notebooks, to ready-made notebooks. It's they, and two comets as a medium of communication. I mean, it's just the greatest. So uh, let me tell you about um, Blake Bronson Bartlett's essay is about the materiality of the text in a really cool way because it's actually about the how the ability to buy uh, ready-made notebooks affected the way antebellum writers wrote, which to me is so wild. I never really thought about the fact that the technology of writing, which would be, you know, do the pages stick together or not, would affect what people had to say and how they said it. And it's a really different take on the relationship between writing and the commodity form. And we have a piece by Laura Soderberg on juvenile delinquents, and she does such great archival research into the New York House of Refuge case histories to talk about how delinquents were seen at the time. It's weirdly relevant today. I can't think of exactly why. Yeah, the archival research is just fascinating. And her readings of those records, the ways in which these individuals emerge out of the attempts to erase them or to correct them is, um, is really fascinating. It's a great piece. Um, we also have uh, the piece by Jamie Bolker on Harry Beecher Stowe's dread and the ways that crows function and the relationship between actual crows, their presence, the presence of birds in Stowe's text, and the circulation and development of the Jim Crow figure. And so it's a really fascinating move back and forth between the natural world and the world of stereotypes and ideology. It's like the greatest pun ever, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like that's the that's the thing that she is exploring, like how it's this idea is based in depictions of 
birds. Right. It's weird. And then, and then that connects, I think, in, in, in sort of obliquely to Zach Marshall's work on comets and on um, he- the heavens as a medium of communication. So both of them are thinking about how the natural world and how we read or interpret it. It's got a little Melvillian sort of moment or sub-theme under there, although neither of them are talking about Melville. <laughs> but everyone's always talking about Melville, so not in this it's issue. It's got to be somewhere. Not in no, this no, issue. It's I Gail know. Temple. I know. I know. I corrected myself just as I was saying it. We have to have Melville, and we do. So it would seem. And we also have an essay by a David Zimmerman, which is a reading of George Lepard in terms of nineteenth-century ideas of responsibility for sin and crime. I'll point out that the Quaker City is clearly having a little bit of moments. It's because one of our letters is on um, George Lepard. And now David Zimmerman is looking at the Quaker City. And of course, that is such a wild and wacky novel. I'm excited to see it getting the kind of attention it deserves. And finally, we have one more essay. Catherine Walkowitz's essay is on indigenous newspapers at the end of the 19th century, the beginning of the 20th century, um, about the statehood movement, the failed statehood movement for the state of Sequoia, and her reading, her careful and insightful readings of the these indigenous newspapers unfolds for us the ways in which ideas of sovereignty and statehood were circulated and the kinds of communities that emerged. It's a really, uh, one of the things that I really love about this issue is the intriguing and sort of the new ways in which uh, scholars are working with archives. Yes, I was going to say this does a lot. Uh, uh, she does a lot of great archival research for that essay, too. Yeah. So two very deep dives into the archive. Yeah. No, they're really exciting essays. And I think um, I think people are going to really like them. Me too. Yay. <laughs> and then we do have a forum. We have a forum on theater and performance that was organized by Matthew Rephorn. Yes, it's a creative take on keywords. Um, so 19th century American theater and performance. Each of the authors has taken up one of these, one of these keywords or terms um, and given us different ways of thinking about it. Since theater has become an increasing area of interest for 19th century Americanists, I think this is, it's a timely intervention. And we have pieces by Doug Jones, Heather Nathans, Amy Hughes, and Joseph Roach, as well as Matt Redhorn's introduction. So that's six two. Of course, we are always dependent on your submissions, and we are so excited to read what you send us and uh, to learn about what people in 19th century American literature and culture are doing. For new authors, we do, it might seem intimidating to send us, uh, send us your work, but we are really eager to read it. Here is one tip for you. You want to- It's the tip of the day. Tip of the day. Uh, Remember that when you send an article to a journal, you want to be making clear what the stakes of your argument are. And one of the great ways of doing this, one of the important ways of doing this is to think of it as entering a conversation with other scholars. I think most of our devoted 
readers know this, but I think when you get really caught up in, in your argument, you know, when you're shaping it and you're really inside it, it's, it's something that's easy to forget. So this is just a rough reminder. And we will see you again in the spring when 7-1, which we just sent off for copy editing, comes out. Then we'll be back with another episode. Send us your stuff. Send us your stuff. Thank you for listening to the C19 podcast. Enjoyed this episode? Have thoughts? Use the hashtag C19podcast or get in touch with us at C19podcast at gmail.com. Have an idea for an episode? Check out our CFP on the C19 website for more details on submitting a proposal.